0: Uh, good morning. For uh, Spanish-speaking people, Buenos dias. Okay. Yes. so oh, great. <laughs> bueno. Um, this about this time last week, actually, uh, I was meant to be going to a church in Kent, and uh, I lost my way. I had I haven't got a sat nav. I have just got a, a road atlas with, uh, and the two pages I needed were missing. <laughs> and so I was driving around Kent in the countryside. And I had to phone the minister to say, I'm on my way, but I'm not quite sure where I am. But uh, I finally got there, but today's been a bit more relaxed. Um, So, you know, we've been down in Newport uh, over the weekend, and it's been lovely to meet some of you already. Just want to, um, as uh, Dave said, share a little bit about the work in Ecuador. Just going to show you a few slides and then a video. I think that's right. Is that right? Yeah. So the video really is going to explain more uh, about the work. Um, Anna and myself, Anna is from Ecuador, she's what we call Quintenia, means from the city of Quito, the capital, and our project is called uh, Mano y Mano, like Hand in Hand, and it's in a little town just, um, I don't know if it's south of Quito, about 20 minutes south of Quito. We work with uh, children and young people and families in the, in the area. And uh, like I say, I'll, I'll speak over the video when we put the video on in a minute. Uh, if, do I just thumbs up for, yeah. What we would really value your prayers, not just for the work, but for Ecuador as a country. Actually today, is there's elections going on in the country. And um, particularly over the last couple of years, uh, the number one issue is the security. Uh, people are really uh, afraid of just what's happening in the country. Uh, What has happened over the last couple of years particularly is the Mexican and Colombian cartels have um, influenced the Ecuadorian gangs, emboldened them, weaponized them, and um, so there's a a real sense of uh, insecurity in the country. Very often the gang leaders are caught, they're put in prison, but then... uh, Mobile phones and arms and weapons are smuggled in. You know, people are being paid off at different levels. And uh, things are being organized from within the prisons. Just in in August, there was uh, uh, the, the previous kind of elections. There were eight candidates. One candidate was standing up against the corruption in the country. And he was told that if you carry on, Saying what you're saying, you're going to we're going to take you out, and he said, "No, I'm going to carry on." And uh, a week before the elections, he was murdered. And that sense of fear is an ongoing problem, and in in both in the cities and in the pueblos, in sorry in the towns, um, that that sense of insecurity. So please, please pray for the Church of Ecuador that we don't just bury our heads in the sand but that God will raise up a, a generation of people who will make a difference, that we will be the salt and the light that God has called us to be. Uh, if we can have the next slide. Uh, very often I feel that what we do is is just like a, it is just a drop in a bucket. Um, You know, when we see the needs in, in the country of Ecuador. I was saying to Dave and Faye just before that I'm very often reminded of that story. You know, remember the little boy who had his five loaves and two fish? And uh, it didn't seem hardly anything, did it? Uh, But he put it in the hands of Jesus and Jesus multiplied and made, you know, other people were blessed. And I think in one sense, what we do is just seems a drop in a bucket. It just seems like a, a few loaves and a few fish, but we trust that Jesus will take it and multiply what we're engaged in. We would value... Uh, your like i say your prayers for the the project and uh, if you want to uh find out more on a regular basis then we've got some leaflets at the back on a table afterwards do do take a leaflet as our email address and you can contact us and we can kind of keep you updated with the work and that would uh that would be brilliant we we um um we rely humanly speaking obviously We know that God provides, but we rely on people in the UK to kind of help us develop the work. Um, So if we could have the next slide. Yeah, one of the things that we're planning to do, as again you'll see in the video, is that we're hoping to build a new computer room for the children, a new library and a new office. So that's one of the things we're we're kind of aiming for. Okay. We also... uh, enjoy writing putting our thoughts down in books and uh, this year we've um, written a book called what I love about ecclesia what I hate about church so it's an interesting title but you have to buy the book to find out what it's all about okay um, so the kind of the good the bad and the ugly about church okay uh, so that's again it's on the back there's some stuff about that I think that's it uh, I don't know if there's any other slides No? Okay. Okay, that's good for the message, so we'll come back to that. If we could have the video on, that would be great. I'm gonna speak over the video. So, the name of the project is Mano Mano. And, uh, in December, we had some students from uh, Minnesota, the USA, come to work in the project. We could open the project up for the families in the community. And they, they were doing uh, like health checks, you know, uh, all different kind of uh, checks to help the people in our community. So we had to have some translators, some friends of ours came to translate. Um, there was about 30, 30 trainee doctors from the States. And that was great to, to have them uh, come along.
1: Okay, how is the experience for you? Okay. The experience has been really rewarding.
0: The up a bit. Um,
1: with different populations that we've never worked with, and being out of our element um, and just working and helping other people. Yeah, I think it's been an amazing experience getting to um, meet this community and help this community, and they are changing our lives as much as we are hoping that we are changing theirs. And I think it's just very um, cool and very heartwarming and Yeah, and it's just a blessing of what God can do in our lives and all throughout the lives all throughout the world and um, yeah just super
0: blessed to be here and it's been an amazing experience oh, oh, oh. also <laughs> help working with some of our children these are Christmas the Samaritans purse uh, I saw some of your boxes at the back there but uh, some of our children uh, Christmas going home with their their gifts a local school that we're connected to as well, we could help provide uh, them. Uh, so this is the old computer room, <laughs> which we want to widen, make bigger, is Celeste. Uh, Here some of the, uh, the children that are part of the project. Is Anna giving a, a class. This is Tati one of our helpers who was one of the children when she was very young and she's been helping us we like to uh, so that we have afternoon activities craft sessions computers different activities is uh, Joaquin This is the master chef we saw actually in, in Newport yesterday that the master celebrity master chef so um, I'm not sure what they're making here but uh, there's Michael, with Gabrielle, <laughs> Juan Carlos, Darian, there's Anderson in the grey, this is uh, Evelyn in the blue helping the younger ones, Aurelis, this is Iday, this is Bridget. This is Dylan, It's just gone up to secondary school. I think Ida is just telling me what flavor it is. whatever they're making, she's telling me it's strawberry flavor, I remember. <laughs> so this is the, the new kind of kitchen that we had built a couple of years ago, just after COVID and COVID. Uh, it's a long kind of room that also doubles into two classrooms. This is Katia, our master chef. <laughs> Celeste again. Pizza, I love it when they make pizza, because that's my favorite dish, okay. So this is in the grounds of the foundation. Yeah. I try to, you know, in teaching, make it a fun session, so it's not just, you know, copying stuff from a notice board. So here they're learning the English alphabet, the pronunciation through actions so uh, uh, a trainee uh, uh, dr. Renato, who came in to do some sessions on bullying and different subjects that the uh, things that would help the children to kind of perhaps talk and share some of their experiences um, so that was great uh, February we had a a new walkway put in. This was all broken up concrete and we needed to change that. This is a group of students from a local college who helped us with their translation when the the medic teams came back in February. These are some of the students from the foundation. This is Eric and Ariel. This is Steve and uh, Pepe behind him. These are children who came in 2006 and now grown up, got their own families, Marina, Edwin, Jose. This is Karen and uh, son Sebastian. This is Edwin and Jose. It's been great to see them over the years develop. Some of the uh, people from the States, it was a different team than, and in the summer we had a holiday, holiday Bible club. We looked at Jesus our rescuer, our creator, and our, our friend, who well used in different activities. This is Anna's niece, Karen, or Keke, who helps us with the craft. We had different activities on that week. One way to get your wall painted for free is to ask the kids to come and. Uh, because the name of the project is Mano e Mano, hand in hand, we, we got them to uh, one, you know, different groups at different times, so this is the older group. day we we ordered a bouncy castle and the bouncy castle didn't turn up they sent the foam machine uh so we had to quickly plan b find t-shirts and shorts for the kids uh but actually they loved it more than if we'd had the bouncy castle so um it was brilliant there's probably still a couple of kids hiding under there now i think <laughs> we, we lost a couple of kids no <laughs> but uh A great group of uh, children, and uh, for Anna and myself, we're privileged to to work with and get to know the children in the area. And uh, this was the last day of the the Holiday Bible Club. Um, So the kids went out on a high note, as it were. One of the boys who just went past there is Matias. He's from Venezuela. We have quite a few people from Venezuela who've come into Ecuador uh, looking for, to, you know, a new life, build their new lives, and um, so Matias has been great that he's been coming along to the project. These are the old classrooms. Uh, we had the diggers come in to break them down. Today's uh, Friday the 28th of July, and we just wanted to give a, a quick update about the work that's going on at Manor, Manor this week. Okay, so we're outside the uh, foundation at the minute. We've had to cover up the logo because of the dust and the work going on. And uh, we've built the wall up a little bit, uh, four for blocks just for security. Let's go inside and see what's been taking place, yeah? So we've got the builders in today at the minute carrying on the work but um basically we we started the work on monday this week and the first thing was uh, to remove things by hand first of all and um, as you'll see in the other videos then we brought the machines in on wednesday to the diggers and the trucks to take the bulk of the material away so this is uh if you like stage one part a the demolition of the old buildings and getting ready uh, for the new the new phase yeah so let's just explain what we hope to do God willing in the coming uh, months the idea is really that we'd like to build uh, and this this front bit a a new office and then a bigger computer room uh, because this is where the office and the computer room were before so we're going to extend the computer room and then at the at the back have a library Um, so it's going to be like an l shape Uh, that's the idea it's going to be wider than before uh, but all in the kind of same um, style yeah we're also going to have a couple of toilets uh, put in Um, so this is the idea this is the uh, the plan we've got uh, like i say some workers in at the minute just lifting the wall up here again uh, just conscious of security that we need um, um, to make sure everything's uh, a good height. So we're we're pleased that uh, this work uh, has got to this stage. And again, we just want to say a big thank you to all the people who take an interest in the work here and support us. And uh, again, if you'd like to help us in this next stage of the work, the next part is really to get the foundations down. And um, so please get in touch and thanks again, take care. Okay, we've mentioned about the the book. Um, so, uh, I think I mentioned, or we we've been out in uh, Ecuador since two thousand and six, so sixteen years uh, we've been out there, and uh, it's it's been a tremendous privilege for us to get to know so many children over the years. Who you know, many now are grown up, young people got their own families and stuff like that, and to see them developing going on in their lives. And to be able to share the love of Christ through word and through deed in in all that we are involved in and um so you know we 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 miss england the u k we have family and friends here and stuff but uh, our home and our passion is for the people in in ecuador and particularly in the in the town that we're working in if you'd like to know more about the work do do see anna and myself afterwards or say take a leaflet and um Uh, You know, it would be great to get in touch. And uh, if if you want to, you know, support us in any way, then again, please uh, get in touch with us. Okay, we're going to uh, go into the the kind of message part now. I don't know if we can have the last slide put up. Uh, That would be great. Thank you. I don't know uh, if you've... uh, if you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to uh, Psalm 57 and uh, verse 2. Actually, we're going to read just the first couple of verses, yeah? Psalm 57 Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. For in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God, most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I cry out to God, most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Let's let's just pray, shall we? Father, we, we do thank you for your word. We thank you again for your constant faithfulness your goodness your love your kindness your mercy towards us i pray god that you'll encourage us as we uh, delve into your word and that you would speak to us through it lord you know again as we've been saying you know every person you know our circumstances you know our lives inside out and just pray that you would encourage us this morning we ask this in jesus name amen I want you to uh, cast uh, your minds back for some of you. I don't know if you remember your days in primary school. And uh, if, uh, for the blokes, if you can remember that girl that you liked who was on the top table or opposite you, and if you ever wrote a little note to that girl and asked your mates to pass it to her, yeah to uh, you know some sort of poetry or something yeah to get this note to that girl on the top table and uh, I never did okay because my writing is so bad that uh, even if she had received it she wouldn't have understood uh, my writing's like a spider with a you know seven legs uh, going across a page and uh, you know if she got this note roses are red violets. oh no I can't make head or tail of this and I'll throw it away um it's interesting, isn't it? When we when we come to the Psalms, they are not kind of some sort of vague poetry written in the clouds. They're actually there's an authenticity about them. Very often, they're, they're written out of uh, the experience that the psalmist is going through, and there's a there's a depth um, to them, and there's a there's a passion, and in this particular psalm, we read, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I wonder if we are a, a people like that. We cry out to God, God, fulfill your purpose for me. Yeah? I want you to hold that verse in one side of your mind. And there's another verse in the New Testament that, where it says this in Acts Thirteen thirty-six it says that when David had served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. Yeah, when David had served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. The connecting word is this: is purpose. Yeah, in in Spanish, it's propósito. Yeah, okay, no more Spanish. Okay, but it's propósito. Someone once said that there's nothing quite as potent as a focused life. Yeah? There's nothing quite as potent as a focused life. When you see someone who's focused completely on what they're doing, there's a, there's a strength, there's a power, there's a, an effectiveness, isn't there? When people are focused. When we think about the, um, you know, the people that follow Jesus in the Bible, there there is a focus. Often we get this phrase in the Bible, one thing. The psalmist says, one thing I ask of God that I might be in his temple. Jesus said to Martha, 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 you're worried and upset about so many things. Only one thing is needed. Mary's discovered it. It won't be taken away from her. The blind man said, this one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. Paul could say, couldn't he, in Philippines, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining to what is ahead. One thing. The problem is with our lives, it's so often it's many things, isn't it? There's so many things going on in our lives, calling our attention. But only one thing is needed. Nothing quite as potent as a focused life. Yeah. What's interesting about the Psalms is that very often they're written in uh, places we wouldn't imagine. This Psalm, Psalm 57, if you read right at the beginning, it says that when David was in a cave. Have you ever been in a cave? <laughs> perhaps literally or figuratively when david was in a cave he wrote this psalm the psalm that where he cries out god fulfill your purpose for me yeah it's interesting that uh, psalm 142 was written as well in a cave yeah w- what we what we find in the psalms is this uh, i love the psalms actually because we we get the whole if you like gamut of life we get psalms of what people call psalms of orientation where everything's great in life three cherries in a row yeah everything's fine in life and there's psalms of adoration worship praise thankfulness but there are also psalms of disorientation when life is a real struggle when it's tough when you're in a cave when there's no light yeah and sometimes these psalms are right next to each other. <laughs> you read one psalm and it's up on the mountaintop and the next is down here. And it's good because that very often is, is what life is like, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah? yeah? But what happens is this, is that um, David's disorientation gradually becomes orientation. Yeah? Sometimes things are going in life okay for us and then we get that letter from the doctors we didn't expect or we're made redundant or there's a a breakdown in relationships in our family or something happens and all of a sudden we're in a state of disorientation. But God wants to work in us and sometimes he takes us into a cave and that disorientation, bit by bit, becomes orientation it's interesting in the life of david if you if you know the story he's anointed as a young lad to become the next king but it doesn't happen straight away and god takes him through an incredible journey and and bit by bit what happens is that his support network is broken he can't run to his family his wife He can't run to his best friend Jonathan or the priests because they will become marked people. And The the mad king Saul is on the throne and anyone who is associated with David, their lives will be at risk. And so David is is driven out and he he finds himself in a desert, in a cave at a place called Adullam. Yeah? And there he is. It's interesting, if you kind of connect other bits of the Bible, what happens is this. We read in one samuel twenty two verse one to two, and those who were in distress, debt, and disconnected gathered around him yeah so david he 's in this cave, and then we read about four hundred people join him, yeah, those that were in distress, those who were in debt, those that were disconnected gathered around him. adullam is a uh, about 20 miles south of Jerusalem, okay? And uh, David becomes, if you like, a magnet for the marginalized, yeah? I don't know if you remember a group called the Police, I think in, in the 80s, do you remember the Police, the Sting? They had a song, a message in a bottle, and some of the words were this, walked out this morning, don't believe what I see, 100 billion bottles washed up on the shore. Seems like I'm not alone in being alone. And I think maybe David had that kind of experience. He thought he was alone, but all of a sudden there's 400 other people who felt like the same, yeah? He becomes a Robin Hood type figure, a fugitive on the run. It's not Sherwood Forest, but it's a dullum. And it becomes his stronghold. It becomes the place where his life begins to take shape once more. Someone once said, a guy called uh, Max Lucado, who said this. He said, make God your refuge, not your job, not your spouse, not your reputation, not your retirement fund. Make God your refuge. We could add the, to that today, not your social media page, not your ex, formerly known as Twitter account, not your Facebook page. Make God your refuge. Make him the one that you seek, the one that you look to, the one that you find your orientation. Yeah? What happens is this, that perhaps, though, the problem with Adullam is that it could have become, actually, after a period of time, a nice place to be, away from the madness of Saul. It's fresh, it's cool. We could get internet connected, put our pictures up, but that wasn't the place. Adullam was meant to be a place where they, if you like, uh, risks were taken. Yeah? It was a place to advance from. And, it, and it's the same kind of mentality with regards to us and the church. You know, often we come for church and it's great. We meet with people and we, we're encouraged, we're blessed, we're strengthened. And um, there's that sense of togetherness. That's all fine. That's brilliant. But actually, the church is a place where we advance from. yeah. It's a place where we go out into the world. yeah. Someone once said this, church people are worried that the world will infiltrate the church, but kingdom people are concerned how the church will infiltrate the world. Yeah, I'll say that again. Church people are worried about how the world will infiltrate the church, but kingdom people are concerned how will the church infiltrate the world. How will we infiltrate the world? I was talking to Dave and Faye just before, and I said, please, whatever you do, don't introduce us as Dave and Anna, missionaries from Ecuador. <laughs> because the truth is, we are all missionaries. Each one of us is a missionary. Each one of us is on a mission. Each one of us is on a front line. Your mission may be in the hospital you work with in, or the school that you teach in or the factory where you work, or in your community, in whatever field where you are, where you're living, you are the missionary in that place. Yeah? You are God's representative, God's ambassador in that place. For Anna and myself, it happens to be in a, in a town in El, uh, in Ecuador. But for you, like I say, it could be wherever... When you wake up tomorrow and you go out your front door, you are going into your mission field, yeah? And that's important that you understand that. So that's one cave. I want to talk to you about another cave in the New Testament. It's a place called Caesarea Philippi. It's the area, actually, I think it's in Matthew 16 or 17, where Jesus, do you remember... There was a part when Jesus stopped and he asked his followers, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some are saying you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he got a bit more personal. He said, but, but who do you say I am? The most important question that perhaps we'll ever face is, who do you say that Jesus is? What's, what's your answer? Yeah? If you say, well, yeah, he was a good man. Oh, he was a great teacher, a good example. But Peter says, you're, you're the Christ, the Son of God, you know, the living God. You're the Messiah, the, the anointed one. And, Je- and Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter. This isn't revealed by, by man, but my, my Father in heaven. So in this place, Jesus reveals, if you like, his divinity, who he is, He's not just another teacher or another prophet or, you know, good example. He's much more than that. Yeah? The Son of God. The Messiah. The one that we find, actually, our true purpose in. Yeah? And then um, he goes on to actually talk about the way that he's going to work. His, if you like, the way he's going to transform Society is through a group of people called his church, his ecclesia. Yeah? He says, I will build my church. And the word he uses in the Greek word is ecclesia. It's interesting because he doesn't say, I will build my temple or I will build my synagogue. He uses actually a secular word. Ecclesia, it meant a group of people called out for the welfare of the city. So what used to happen was this, that people used to go down a town and call out people to say, come, we're having a meeting about the welfare of the city. We want you to be part of this group that is concerned for the welfare of the city. It wasn't a religious term, it was a secular term. And Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia. Yeah, my called out ones. Yeah, so Jesus says, I will build my Ecclesia in Newport. He doesn't say I will build my religious institution. He says, I'm going to call out a group of people who are concerned for the welfare of the city. Yeah, the people in King's Church are my Ecclesia, my called out ones who will be involved in affecting. Uh, and changing Newport yeah and what's interesting about this place of Caesarea Philippi it was that uh, many pious jewish people avoided it it was like if you like the r- the red light area spiritually people didn't go there it had history there was um in the old testament there was like baal worship went there uh, you know carried on in this place In the Greek kind of Hellenistic period, there were shrines made to the the Greek god Pan. So there was a, a religious stronghold. There was a political stronghold. A temple in honor of Caesar was built there. And there was a demonic stronghold because there was a cave called the Gates of Hell or the Gates of Hades. Yeah, where animal and human sacrifice used to take place. You can almost imagine that Jesus is saying near to the cave or in front of it or wherever, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Yeah, with reference to this cave, yeah. Um, And in this place, with all its kind of spiritual barrenness, Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia i will build my church and nothing will stop it yeah nothing will stop it yeah i uh, i came across an article on the bbc website a few a couple of months ago now it was about uh, taylor swift you know taylor taylor swift yeah well perhaps not personally but you know of her and uh, it said this it says you've paid hundreds of dollars for a ticket and brave the pouring rain to watch your favourite artist perform in what should be an unforgettable evening. But three hours and over 40 songs later, you get home and realise you can't remember a thing. It sounds almost unbelievable, but many Taylor Swift fans are claiming to suffer from post-concert amnesia. Psychologists say emotions and time may be behind the phenomenon. From out-of-body experiences to entering a dreamlike state, Swift fans, or Swifties, as they prefer to be known, have taken to social media uh, in recent days to reveal their guilt and not being able to remember key moments from the latest tour. And I was thinking, sometimes uh, us as Christians, were a bit like Taylor Swift fans. We've forgotten our calling. <laughs> Perhaps uh, even, you know, when you leave the building today, you think, oh, I've forgotten all what we heard or said or sung <laughs> uh, it's just kind of gone in one ear one out <laughs> um, but sometimes the church in general we've forgotten we've got like a spiritual camera amnesia we've forgotten our true calling what what why has god called us out you know often we we talk about uh, i don't know if you've heard the phrase ideas have consequences it's true isn't it every ideology Every philosophy has a consequence if people buy into that. You can see the way countries operate. And uh, it's the same, I think, we could say with our theology. Our theology has consequences. For example, in uh, Philippines, in uh, w- one version we read this. It says that um, your citizenship is in heaven. Have you heard that, that, that phrase? Yeah, and we think, that's great. And it's true, yeah, our citizenship is in heaven. Or in another version... You are a colony of heaven, and and many Christians we take that and we look at it and say, oh yeah, that's great. When I die, I'm you know I've got a, a hope. But actually, when Paul wrote that, that was not his meaning behind how we often look at it. Rome, uh, you, if you can imagine Rome, and then Philippi, where he, where he's writing to Philippi, was a Roman colony. Yeah, so. All that went on in Rome, they tried to put into practice in Philippi, yeah? So customs, costumes, you know, the way life happened in Rome. By Philippi being a little, a little Rome, they tried to, you know, bring Rome to Philippi. The idea for people of Philippi was not to want to get back to Rome, but rather bring Rome to Philippi. What's the illustration? It's this when we pray, your kingdom come, yeah, your will be done. What's the next bit on on earth <laughs> as in heaven, it's the idea of bringing the culture of heaven to earth, yeah it's not us just aspiring to get to and out and out another place is bringing the culture of heaven to newport yeah what does that mean you know where we work where we live amongst the communities how do how do we view life how do we do life differently if we're saying god your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven your will be done yeah If, if we think like that, then our Christianity should never be in a place where we're bored. If we walk through life with a yawn on our face, something's wrong with our theology. Yeah? But if, if the living Christ is at work in us, if we have his eyes, his ears, his hands, something should be going on. Yeah? There should be a heartbeat, there should be a pulse and uh, <coughs> so we need to check often, you know, our theology. Um, <coughs> the ecclesia should be advancing from a dullum, yeah? We find orientation. We find togetherness. We find uh, risk-taking strategy. Generations are formed, yeah? But also the ecclesia has got to be shaped uh, in a correct way. Do you remember in in that instance where Peter (coughs) He says to Jesus, you're the Christ, the Messiah? Afterwards, Jesus goes on to explain the nature of what it meant for him to be the Messiah, that it will involve suffering, that it will involve the cross, it will involve death. And Peter takes him aside and says, no, no, not you, Lord. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You haven't got in mind the things that... You know, God's kind of idea and plan. And the same way the church, the ecclesia, has got to be shaped by the cross. Yeah? It can't be shaped by kind of gimmicks, popularity, superficialness. It's got to be shaped by submission, humility, love, commitment, and if need be, suffering. That's the only way the church will have an impact. Yeah? If it's shaped by the cross, and of course by the resurrection, <laughs> by the living power of Christ working and flowing through us, yeah. I um. I uh, I like uh, films like I was saying to the group yesterday. Uh, things like the Three Musketeers and Zorro and Robin Hood, yeah, and and all those kind of films. And uh, just before I came out here, um when I was in Ecuador, I watched a, uh, a Robin Hood film, and there was a, a really interesting quote, a great part. Robin Hood had basically had enough. He wanted to throw the towel in. Uh, Prince John, or the Sheriff of Nottingham, or, or the bad guy, whoever it was, was, was having you know, dominance, and Robin Hood thought that what he was doing was just, he, he wasn't getting anywhere. And he, he was sitting down, and May Marian comes and sits next to him, and she says this, if not you then who if not now then when yeah if not us then who yeah if not now then when yeah that's the challenge isn't it i cry out to god most high that his purpose might be fulfilled yeah when David had served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. But Jesus didn't face a cave. He faced a cross that God's purpose might be fulfilled in our lives. yeah, For his glory, for his kingdom. yeah. One other thing about Caesar I Philippi. Amidst all the bleakness and the barrenness and the strongholds, do you know, there were springs of water that uh, fed into the River Jordan. Yeah. So in this barren place, there were springs of water, life-giving water flowing into the Jordan. And it's such a great picture, isn't it? We, we look out in the world, we look out into the problems in Ecuador or the UK or wherever, and it seems barren, it seems desolate. But we can be channels of God's that life-giving water that turns a desert into an oasis. Yeah? As we carry the the good news of Jesus. There was uh, a book by a guy called Charles Dickens, perhaps I'm sure you've heard of Charles Dickens, uh, called A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, it's a book I haven't read, but apparently it was written in 1859 about two cities, London and Paris. And... Uh, Apparently, it's a book about transformation and resurrection in both a personal level and a level in society. And I thought, that's interesting. Yeah, a personal level and a a, a wider level. And um, that's what God wants to do, isn't he? He wants us to be part and parcel of his kingdom, agents of change, people who, by God's grace, um, understand His purpose in our generation, and are committed to living for Him. Going to pray, and then uh, going to just hand back to to Dave. Yeah. Okay. Father, Lord, we thank you again for your your goodness, your mercy, your love, Lord Jesus for us we thank you they you didn't just tell us that you loved us but you showed it you demonstrated by giving your life for us that you took all the rubbish all the junk in our lives upon yourself that we might find forgiveness that we may find new life new hope new purpose we thank you that that resurrection life can now flow in us and through us, we thank you that you want us to be co-workers with you in the things of your kingdom. And Lord, we just pray for one another. Lord, again, we know that you know our lives inside out. You know the things that we're facing, the battles, the struggles, the encouragements as well. And as we stand on the threshold of a new week. Lord, as we go out into this week, may we carry the fragrance of Christ into our homes, into our communities, into our places of study or work. May we be a people that radiate and reflect Jesus Christ. Lord, we're conscious that without you, we are nothing. We are, we can do nothing. We can bear no fruit, but connected with you, Lord, we know that uh, you Lord Jesus, um, choose ordinary people to uh, serve you and to make a difference for your glory. So Lord, we, we give you thanks for your, your grace, your mercy, and we commit each other into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: What a fantastic word. Do you know what? There was, there was so much in that word to, to receive from and to really, you know, take heart in. And, um, you know, just where Dave started out really in Psalm 57 and verse 2 particularly, where, where David cried out to God for his purpose to be fulfilled in him. And I think that's the cry of all of our hearts. I, I think Dave really picked up on the heartbeat of this church, why we exist. You know, we can all have our plans, but we live for that one thing, that, that focused life. And uh, I really do believe that Dave was, was really touching some things that uh, the Holy Spirit is awakening again in our hearts and has been now for some time in relation to, you know, us not just pursuing our plan and doing what we want to do with our lives, the the whole reason why we are here, the whole reason why, you know, we've been led to this place. It's not an accident. It really isn't. You are here by God's design, by God's By God's choosing, you've been selected to be a part of this house because of the great plans that God has and the great purpose that he wants to fulfill in your life. And that's what we're hungry for, to discover that purpose. And I love how how Dave just, um, just encouraged us that that purpose as we walk out from this place is going to be all around us. The conversations that we have with people you know, the workplaces that we go to tomorrow that sometimes we get a little bit tired of because of all of, the, all of the chatter that goes, you know, on around us. But there's a purpose to fulfill, God's purpose to fulfill in the lives that are around us. People, you know, are desperate. People have questions. And uh, I love how God sends us into a world to be the answer to their question, that we can be a light in their darkness, you know. Um, It's wonderful to know that, that God has his hand on your life for for, for your life to fulfill his purpose. And in fulfilling his purpose, you find great joy and great, great fulfillment. The times where... You know, I have the privilege to speak to somebody about Jesus Christ in the most simplest of ways. I tell you, there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing in this world that even comes close to it. To actually just have a conversation with somebody and and just to say, can I pray for you? Would you like to know? about Jesus, could I, could I have a moment of your time to tell you about the wonderful love of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. There is nothing, I tell you now, that is, you can search this world, you can pursue all of the pleasures of this world, there is nothing to even come close to having a conversation with somebody that doesn't know Christ. And we walk out into a world where there is a myriad of opportunities to do that. I love how Davis um, just made us aware of that again today. We, we, we're going out on purpose, you know. Those words that Jesus spoke go, go on, go now into the world and declare my good news, declare my gospel. That I've risen from, from the dead and that I've come to bring life and salvation to a world that is, is lost. What a wonderful word. And uh, that's why we exist here. That's why we're here, to be a city on a hill, to be a light in a dark city, and to, to radiate God's mercy and God's love. Wonderful word this morning, Dave, thank you, and again, uh, just like Dave said, at the, uh, just at the the back of the the hall, there's uh, Dave's books and information about Mano Mano. if you would like to become a supporter, uh, a financial supporter, a prayer partner, listen, take some literature, and let's, let's get behind it, let's get involved, and, and let's be, you know, those that build with Dave. The challenges in Ecuador are very, very real. There's, there's, a, there's an enemy at work within that nation and within other parts of South America that are trying to break down the nations and trying to break down people's lives through crime, through drugs, through corruption in government. It's, 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 it's a demonic thing, but I love I love how God sends His servants right across the world, where the enemy is trying to break down. God sends His servants in to build up. Hallelujah! And we want to get behind people who are building, building up God's people, building up His kingdom. So please take take um, literature from Dave and um, pray about it if you feel. Um, you know, Dave hasn't come up here this morning and his spirit and Anna's spirit, they haven't tried to manipulate anything, just very gently showed us what, what they do. And uh, I love that spirit. No manipulation, you know, uh, just, just information to show us what they do. And if you'd like to get behind it financially, then then do that. Let's be a blessing where we can. Amen. Is that okay? Fantastic. Dave, again, thank you.